Uh, it'd be great if you can keep your Bible open. Uh, as a general theme, uh, if I'm referring to the passage uh, that we've just read, I'll, I'll point you to your Bible. Uh, if I'm referring to another passage uh, in the Bible, uh, I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, and for, for those who are a little bit younger, uh, or perhaps if you've, you've taken one of the, the little worksheets, uh, then uh, if you get a bit lost, then as you follow the sermon, uh, that should give you a fair bit of direction uh, for the kids who are amongst us. Uh, you don't have to be a kid to do it. If you just want to do it and pretend you're doing it for your kids next to you, that's fine too. But, okay, let me pray, uh, and then we'll get into this passage. Uh, dear Lord, uh, as we reflect on your word this evening, we pray that we might have ears to hear. We pray that you will show each of us the reality of our heart and how you want each of us to respond. Amen. Uh, many of us uh, love making New Year's resolutions. Uh, they're an opportunity uh, for a fresh start and to do things differently. Uh, and so we commit, you know, this year... I'm going to do more exercise and I'm going to do less eating. Uh, we commit ourselves to being more patient and generous and kind. Uh, and this year, I'm not just going to make plans, uh, I'm actually going to do them. Uh, but very quickly we discover, as we're now like 12 whole days into the year, uh, that starting is easy, uh, but persevering uh, is much harder. Uh, and the passage we're looking at tonight is all about persevering. Uh, so, so far in our uh, summer series, we've been looking at the parables. And the first one was a parable about uh, this infinitely patient, loving father uh, and two wayward sons. Uh, and the second uh, parable was about a banquet and an invitation to this banquet. Uh, and in both of these parables, uh, Jesus wants us to see uh, the mercy and the grace and the love of his Father. But he also wants us to see uh, that we cannot treat God with contempt or take him for granted. Uh, and so both of these parables have uh, a rebuke uh, to the respectable uh, religious establishment uh, who refuse to come to God on his terms. Uh, at the same time, uh, we see uh, this picture of hope and restoration uh, to anyone who is willing to recognise uh, just how undeserving they are and just how much they need God's mercy. Uh, but in the passage we've just read, uh, it's a little bit different to the other two because uh, the message isn't just in the parable. Uh, half of the message is in the way that Jesus chooses to communicate this parable. Uh, so our account begins uh, very peacefully uh, with Jesus sitting beside a lake. Sounds very civil. Uh, and very quickly, of course, people hear that Jesus is sitting beside a lake. Uh, and so they come down to hear what this you know, wise teacher has to say. And so very quickly it becomes you know, not so peaceful. And they're not so big on personal space. And so, so much so that by the time they finish crowding around him, that he, he retreats into a boat. Uh, and then he sits and he teaches them. And he begins to speak in parables. And so he tells this tale of four soils. And it's a tale that they can relate to pretty easily because, you know, this is an agricultural community. You know, they know farming. Uh, so some seed uh, fell on the hard path and it's eaten by birds. Uh, some falls on this rocky soil and, and it begins to grow. 
you know, there's hope, it looks good. Uh, but then, you know, the, the sun beats down and it doesn't have any deep roots and, and it quickly withers and dies. Uh, then you've got some of this seed that falls amongst the thorns and, and, it's, and it you know, slowly gets choked. Uh, and then finally, uh, there is some seed that falls on this good soil and it, and it goes on to produce this, this wonderful crop. You, whoever has ears, let him hear. Here endeth the lesson. That's it. If you are in the crowd, uh, that is the whole parable. Uh, there is nothing more to add. Thanks for coming. Have a nice day. Please make sure you take your rubbish. Now, you can imagine, right, if, if you're the person coming, listening to Jesus for the first time, right, you come down, you've heard this guy, he's a pretty wise bloke, right, and you sit there and you're listening and you're poised and that's what you hear. You've got to be sitting there going, fair income, really? You know, th- this is kind of the type of advice that you would give your five-year-old son about how to do farming. Uh, but for others, uh, they'd be sitting there going, well, you know, Jesus you know, isn't really known for caring about farming, uh, but he does care about people, and he does care about how people respond to God, and so maybe there's something in this for me. Maybe these four soils have something to do with me and my life. And so for the disciples who are listening uh, with everyone else, the big question isn't, what does it mean? Uh, Their first question to Jesus is, why do you speak in parables? Verse 10. And the answer is surprising. Verse 13. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And it's not just about their capacity to understand. This isn't an intellectual thing. Uh, The meaning is deliberately hidden. Uh, So verse 15, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So this whole account started off as a pithy story about farming, uh, but actually uh, it's a word of judgment uh, because this is a parable where there is a message that potentially saves but they don't see it and they can't hear it. You know, it's a bit like uh, walking into a, a maths lecturer and seeing this equation on the board. Uh, now, I just got this off the internet. I'm not even sure if that's a real equation. Um, but, <laughs> but you look at that and you go, you know what, if, you, if you're a real, you know, not a maths person, you walk into a lecture and you see that, one thing becomes really obvious really quickly and that is that there's stuff that you don't know. Uh, There are people who know maths and the people who don't know maths and you're one of the people who don't know. You know, these words were originally spoken to the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. He was to then proclaim them to Israel. Uh, And they had refused to hear God's word. That is the history of Israel. God speaking, Israel refusing to listen. And so God, through his prophet Isaiah, pronounces judgment. So not only will they not hear it, but their hearts will be hardened. They cannot hear it. So in fact, the the only hope that's offered to Israel in that particular passage in Isaiah is that once there is complete desolation, that out of it all, out of all the chaos, there will be a small seed. And out of that seed, new things will grow. 
And so we see some of that same judgment proclaimed in this parable. So Jesus is talking to a generation of God's people who have lost sight of God. They may well be religious, uh, but they've lost their sense of love for God and they've stopped listening to God's word. And so their lack of understanding is actually a declaration of their guilt before God. Uh, But amongst this wayward generation, there is hope. Now, Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. There is potential to hear and to understand. Uh, And so for some, uh, they might hear, in in the words of Jesus, uh, the words of the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. This is what the Lord said to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow amongst the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, circumcise your hearts. Uh, The metaphor isn't a direct parallel, but you can see it, can't you? That we need to recognise our hardness and we need to break that hardness down so that we're ready to listen to God's word. So we're ready to be devoted to what God has to say. Uh, For others, they'll hear and recognise their own ignorance. Whatever religious understanding they've got, uh, clearly they're missing something really significant. And this man in the boat, he's got answers. Uh, And fortunately uh, for for them, as they're listening to Jesus, this parable isn't the only thing that they hear that day. Uh, But ultimately, uh, it's not going to be knowledge of the Scriptures... Uh, or our, you know, intellectual capacity, uh, or even seeing miraculous signs that are going to convince us of what is true. That's going to lead us to a point of really seeing and really hearing. Uh, Because ultimately, uh, it's going to be God working through those things to open our eyes and to open our heart. Uh, Ultimately, we need God's Spirit to work in us, to help us to see and to help us to hear. Uh, So again, in the words of Jeremiah, uh, this is the covenant that I'll make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their hearts and write it on their heart. Sorry, I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, we often think the most powerful thing we can do uh, to strengthen our faith is to investigate the facts. Uh, And investigating the facts is a good thing to do, but actually the most powerful thing we can do uh, is pray. Uh, Pray that God will be merciful and that God will open our eyes to recognise the truth. Uh, And that's exactly what's happened for these disciples. That's why Jesus says in in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So we know that it's only by God's grace uh, that we take it to heart. But at very least, uh, for us, as we get to read the Scriptures, uh, we get Jesus explaining to us what it does mean. So we're not left guessing. Uh, So the seed is the message about the Kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus is the promised Messiah uh, who was promised in the Old Testament. It's now come to fulfilment. Uh, He will die on the cross uh, for humanity and for the sin of humanity. And he will rise again and bring the kingdom of God. Uh, And this message is an invitation to come back to God. uh, But it's also a call to submit to God's will for our lives. 
Uh, So Jesus says a little bit later in Matthew, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so as people hear this message about the kingdom, Jesus identifies four different responses. So verse 19, whenever anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. You know, so their reaction comes from a hard heart. They don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. Uh, They don't really care about who Jesus is or what he's got to say. And so their response is either uh, disinterest uh, or disdain uh, or perhaps uh, more commonly in our culture, uh, it's treated as dangerous. Uh, And this parable says some hard truths. Uh, These people are personally responsible. Uh, They come with a hard heart. Uh, But God also judges that hardness by allowing Satan to snatch away whatever little hope there was. Now, so what do we do for this person? What do you do for the person who doesn't want to be helped? Uh, Well, I think we start by praying the words of Jeremiah, that 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 unbroken ground might be broken. And we continue to speak God's word. We continue to tell them about Jesus. We continue to show them Jesus in our lives. And we show them the impact that Jesus has on us. And I think also we take hope. We take hope from those stories that we know of people who were hard as hard as hard. uh, But God, in his mercy, still chose to save them. Uh, C.S. Lewis, a very famous Christian, Uh, But for him, it was a hard journey to coming to faith. And so let me read a little bit uh, of uh, how he retells uh, his coming to faith. Uh, This is uh, from a book called Surprised by Joy. You must picture me alone in that room in Magdalene, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him who I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In the Trinity term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. He is a beautiful wordsmith, uh, but it's also an amazing picture about grace. Uh, From verse 20, let's look at the second soil. Uh, we read, uh, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they, do not ro- do not have, they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. Uh, the problem for this type of person is they're not ready to stand against uh, the pressures of their society uh, that come as a result of their faith. Uh, For some, uh, that pressure will be social isolation. Uh, For a long time, I I lived and served in Greenacre, which is a really uh, multicultural part of Sydney. Uh, And for anyone who became a Christian in that context, it didn't just mean turning to Christ. Uh, For them, 
it also meant turning often, turning away from their family heritage and their, their cultural connections and their cultural roots. Uh, and for some, that cost is just too high. Uh, for others, it will be standing up in a society that views Christians as naive and superstitious, uh, where the, the dominant cultural view of the moment is that science has all the answers to every question ever and that anyone who listens to the Bible really must be very, very stupid. And where the language of inclusiveness and tolerance uh, no longer mean being inclusive and tolerant. And it's ironic, isn't it? We talk about a culture that, uh, you know, where we, we don't want to see bullying and yet we seem to see more and more bullying. Uh, we've become more and more wayward. And for Christians, we're going to feel the pressure. Uh, I think at the moment we've, you know, just the tiniest amount of pressure. Uh, but you can imagine how things become more and more difficult. Uh, and for the person in this parable, in the end, they are simply overwhelmed. Our third soul is described in verse 22. The seed falls, falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. I think this is the one uh, that I feel most acutely, uh, and certainly uh, as I look back at my own friendships and, and the guys and the girls who I grew up with, I see that this one had the greatest impact. Uh, the person, you know, starts off, uh, they're keen, they're excited, they're joyful uh, about coming to Christ, uh, but in, in the end, life is just too busy. You know, there's so much to do, so little time, so many opportunities, so many experiences. And in trying to sort of hold everything together and the fear of missing out on anything, they potentially lose the one thing that matters the most. Uh, and our identity moves from who we are in Christ to what we do or what we've achieved. And on a society level, we're suffering from this sort of terminal grasses greener on the other side sort of syndrome where it doesn't matter what you've got or how good it is, life would just be that little bit better if you had what's just over there. And of course, we end up living in this sort of state of discontent, don't we? Uh, things like Instagram and, and, and Facebook, they just sort of feed that. Uh, but we buy into it. And, and often uh, we believe that it's money that's going to make all of this stuff a reality. Uh, and then we justify our behaviour uh, and promise that things will be different uh, when we just get over this little bit of a hump of life. So it starts with an attitude, uh, but it then overflows into our life choices. You know, once my career is just a little bit more established, I'll have more time to use my gifts for God. Uh, you know, once I, I finish, you know, with uh, our Sunday sport and then music and perhaps a little athletics and astronomy club, uh, once I've finished the HSC, then I'll be able to commit more time and effort and energy uh, to meeting with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, or perhaps it's a money issue. You know, I want to give to ministry. I, I want to see it used for God's glory. Uh, but first, I just need to pay off my car or I just need to pay off my iPhone or I just need to pay off a bit more of my mortgage. Uh, and in our mind, we present all of these things as if they've kind of been forced upon us because we're good at justifying stuff. And so we sort of go, it's not my fault. It's just all these pressures and I've got to respond. 
often we can see it happening in ourselves. You know, because it doesn't happen overnight, does it? We just sort of, you know, slowly but surely buy into the world around us. And slowly but surely, it chokes the life out of us. Uh, And we see it happening not just in our own lives, but we see it in the lives of those people we love around us. Uh, But so often we don't want to talk about it because that would be really, really awkward. Uh, And no one likes conflict. And certainly no one wants to come across as, you know, self-righteous. And so we simply avoid it altogether. You know, I've got a picture at home, uh, which I I think I've shared before. Uh, Five of us, so four mates myself, uh, all of us profess to be Christians. Uh, All of us went to Bible studies. Uh, One of the guys I remember uh, sitting on the side of the road, uh, you know, in the gutter, talking as you do, uh, and we're talking about being Christians. And he asked me, he started it, he asked me, in five years, will you be a Christian? I said, yes. And I asked him, in five years, will you be a Christian? He said, yes. Uh, In six months, uh, he had thrown it in. Uh, Nothing in particular, no, no dramatic event, just life, busyness, choked the living daylights out of him. And so what do we do? Well, partly we've got to be wary of our own heart, don't we? You know, be wary of how we justify our own behaviour. Partly we've got to love each other enough to be able to spot it in each other. And when we see it happening, to love each other enough to at least ask the question. You know, and sometimes when we're the ones struggling, we've just got to ask for help as well, don't we? But, you know, like anything uh, with gardening, uh, I've done a bit of weeding lately. Uh, the longer you leave a bad thing, the worse it gets. Uh, it's the same with the thorn bush. The longer you leave it, the harder it gets. The sooner you spot it, of course, the easier you can deal with it. You know, so let's love each other enough to actually call it and call it early. Uh, but this parable isn't all bad news and judgment. Uh, so far, we've done three out of four and there's nothing good in it, lots of hope and potential, but in the end, it's all crushed. But finally, we get to this fourth soil, verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So this is the person who genuinely understands the good news about Jesus. They recognise they're a sinner, they need to repent and they need to take Jesus seriously. Uh, And they go on to produce a crop. Uh, It's a crop in terms of their love for God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. It produces a crop in terms of character and our love for others. Not just love your neighbour as yourself, which is good, but love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And it produces a crop in terms of how we impact others. As we grow together, as we speak the good news, we see how God working in our life then makes a difference in someone else's life. Uh, And isn't that what we want? If you're a Christian here tonight, isn't that what you want? To see God glorified and to see how your life will make an eternal impact on someone else's life. So, four soils, uh, four different responses uh, to the good news about Jesus. So out of these four soils, this is a rhetorical question, don't have to answer it out loud. Uh, Which one resonates most closely for you? And perhaps thinking about the people you love around you, which one resonates most closely for them? 
and for your sake uh, or for their sake, uh, what action do you need to take? What needs to change that this is going to somehow end up better? So if you're struggling, what are the things that are entangling you? Uh, If you're feeling the pressure of the world, well, how do you respond to that? Uh, And if you are thriving, if you are that good soil and and you are just so blessed by God and things are fantastic, well, how do you use that to then be a blessing to others? And let's do it all uh, recognising that in the end, it's God who opens eyes and God who opens ears. Uh, So let's pray uh, that God might do that for us. Let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we do thank you. You created us. uh, You love us. You call us to follow you. Uh, And at the same time, uh, we are so often uh, stubborn and rebellious. Uh, So, Lord, help each of us as we reflect on your word tonight to see who we are honestly before you today. Uh, And, Lord, if if things need to change, help us to recognise that and to recognise the steps we can take. And Lord, uh, for those uh, who are here tonight, uh, who you are blessing, who are strong, who are growing, uh, Lord, I I pray for each of those people that they might be able to see how you might use them to be a blessing to others. Uh, But in all things, help us to keep our eyes uh, firmly fixed on you and seeking your glory. Amen.